Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. This is episode 90, and I'm here this morning with uh, our pastor John Payne and our soon-to-be Reverend Michael Bauer <laughs> as well. Someday. Someday. <laughs> in the future. What I want to do is to talk about a passage of scripture that is often not focused upon much when we talk about fellowship in life within the local church. So I want to walk, uh, look at Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 25. And it states, Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. And so we're going to focus now on verse 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Hmm. So that is Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 29. And the focus is on verse 29 in particular. One of the concerns that always exists within any local church, just because we have different people with different dispositions, personalities, and also different, uh, you can say, levels of growth and sanctification is on how a Christian should be thought of when it comes to how they speak. And so I just want to just launch this uh, directly into John and uh, Michael. How should the Christian's mouth be characterized? What characterizes a Christian's language or speech? Yeah, uh, the first word that comes to mind is uh, is purity. Purity. Uh, we, we live in an age where it is now a commonplace, even even in the South, the so-called Christian South, to, to hear uh, vulgar uh, language uh, regularly. Um, you know, you walk into environments that you would think would be a family environment, uh, a neighborhood uh, get-together, um, an athletic contest of some kind, um, and, and people are using expectatives uh, like it's um, they're getting paid $5 for each one. Um, you know, I, I grew up around a lot of foul language. Uh, my, my, my dad was a sports writer, and while my dad didn't use uh, foul language, we were always around it because mm -hmm. I was with my dad at uh, NFL training camps, <laughs> oh, in, yeah. in locker rooms, um, on ball fields, and it was just normal to use that kind of language. And uh, my dad's nickname uh, was Bleep. And the reason my dad's nickname was Bleep was because his stories, his interviews, uh, had so many bleeps in them because when he would interview a player, they would use so much foul language that he had to put bleeps in uh, every so often. Uh, so yeah, as Christians, we are to be uh, different from the, uh, than the world in the way that we we speak. We don't we don't adopt the language of the culture and all of its vulgarity. Uh, now I I understand 
that the, the typical person walking down the street, when, when he or she uses vulgar words, mm-hmm. that they're not always thinking about that. It's just become a part of their vocabulary. Yes. And, and, and so we, we don't you know, always need to think the worst of people who are mm-hmm. using f- foul language uh, in our neighborhood or, or, or with friends. But w- what has happened is our culture has become so post-Christian mm-hmm. and so unchurched that ordinary people now have, a, have adopted, even a lot of good people have adopted <laughs> uh, really filthy language. And so as Christians, we are called to, to conform our speech to, to the Word of God. And I think the Bible teaches us a lot about that, doesn't it? Definitely. And so when you look at the passage you just read in Ephesians 4.29, you have to reference to unwholesome words. And the contrast given to there is words that would be for edification according to the need of the moment. And so the first contrast or the first point to drive home about the Christian is that the Christian is looking to encourage and edify. Mm. And if you think about this in particular regarding who you spend the most time with, you have members of your own physical household, your family, And then you have members of your local church. These are the people that you spend most of your time with. And therefore, these are the people that you should have the most intentionality in terms of how do you build them up and edify them. And so let's speak about this kind of practically. What are some basic practical ways, Michael, in which uh, you can have uh, some basic practical ways in which uh, we can use our language to edify and encourage other Christians in our church rather than just using our words in a aimless sort of way? I think there's there's a lot of different ways, um, certainly, but we, we I think, would, would greatly benefit by using the words of, of Scripture mm-hmm. um, that, that uh, you know, we talked in a previous episode about how the word is to be uh, meditated upon, and and it's to be, we're supposed to hide it in our hearts. And so, speaking to brothers and sisters in Christ with the very words of God uh, is a, is a is one way in which we do that, and we show that we uh, truly love them and, and can speak these true things into their lives. Um, but I, I think just using in a lot of ways, just using common sense too. Right? <laughs> um, if, if, if you're not if you're not going to say it in front of your grandmother, maybe don't say it to a fellow Christian. <laughs> <laughs> um, there there is there is a lot to be said for that to just uh, to to build one another up, as you said. That's it's actually something I've heard a lot of from my childhood. Was uh, a, one of the things my grandfather and mm-hmm. other ministers used to say is that if you couldn't say it around your seven year old child, right, then is it really good to say it to another adult, right? And it's not to simply say it on different levels, but the reality is that we tend to have this double standard in our mind where Mm -hmm. we know or we think, okay, the kids are a little innocent and naive, so to speak, so we won't really give them what we would give an adult. And what you're basically saying is that the adult doesn't need that same manner of purity. (laughs) You're basically making the statement that the child is pure and needs to stay pure, but you're already filthy and (laughs) dirty, so it doesn't matter. And I think that sense of uh that one that double standard but there's also that sense of i'm just being authentic real and honest is something that should be addressed uh authenticity in speech is not the gold standard (laughs) 
<laughs> you don't just say what you feel like from your heart. Uh, <laughs> if you did that, I don't think any of us would have jobs. Yeah, exactly. Employable. We don't even do that at our jobs. You know, when your boss comes by, you don't necessarily tell no. him everything on your heart immediately. No. <laughs> you guard your speech. No. No. And yet it's a, it's a shame that we regard our speech more in front of our employer than we would in front of fellow Christians, fellow brothers yeah, and sisters yeah. in Christ. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's just it's 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 important too to remember how powerful words are. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, words have a lot of power, uh, more so even than 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 you know you know the whole the, the old phrase "sticks and stones yeah. may break my bones, but names will never hurt me." Uh, let, let's let's be real here. If someone threw a stick at me, if I was walking down the street, uh, that would be kind of weird, and uh, and, and, and perhaps yeah, yeah. And, and perhaps a, a bit upsetting. I don't know. Matters how big the stick is, I guess. <laughs> but but for someone to yell out something about uh, mean about my family, mm-hmm. or about my ministry, mm-hmm. or about about my life, or something, mm-hmm. guess what's going to stick with me yeah. longer? Guess what's going to be more hurtful? Right. And so we ought to think not only about how hurtful words can be when we think about gossip and slander and those kinds of things that can happen and does happen within the Christian community and shouldn't, but about how positive, loving encouragement, how would an impact that can make in the lives of God's people. And so I think partly what we're talking about uh, this morning, brothers, is the the need to be intentional and purposeful with our words so that... So that as we walk into a room, um, I think personally, you know, as, as I walk into a room full of ministers, it, it, wouldn't it be good for me to be prayerful and purposeful about how I'm going to build up my fellow brothers in Christ uh, rather than to walk in there perhaps in the flesh, uh, not prayerful, and my first conversation I get in, someone tempts me to say something nasty about some other person in the room, and I just get right in there and join mm-hmm. them. And, and, and we all, you know, every person listening to this podcast right now has situations like that where yes. we have an opportunity to either build up, encourage, be positive, be redemptive with our speech, or to take the root of the world, right. uh, to be uh, slanderous, uh, gossipy, uh, to use uh, inappropriate language. What do you do with your buddy when you're on a hunting trip and he begins to to you know do the macho thing where he's using a bit of foul language as a Christian? Do you sort of join him and or or do you do you um, honor the Lord with your speech? And these are just real yeah situations yeah. we come across. And, and think about how how countercultural that is too. I mean, we're just inundated every day with foul language like we've been talking about, but. Um, as, a, as a Christian, we must stand for the truth of God's word, which tells us to be encouraging, to be, um, to, to not have, let this unwholesome speech come from out our mouths. A little later in, in Ephesians, Paul says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. And this is the posture of the Christian, is to, to be uh, thankful uh, and, and in our speech, to be encouraging, to be thankful. And, um, you know, especially those of, of my generation, um, even amongst Christians, it is sad to hear how much foul language is, is just spouted about like it's not a big deal. Um, by some ministers. Right, right. Even by ministers of the gospel. Right. Um, just if, spending time with your non-Christian friends, if you 
don't use the language that they're using, that's going to stand out a lot more um, and, and could even open up some doors for conversations with them as to what, maybe why, why don't you talk the way we do? Why, why are you so different from us? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just so important for the, for the Christian to have this posture of wholesome speech. I was in a, uh, a small Bible study uh, many years ago, and uh, one of the guys that was in it would regularly use the F word mm. during our Bible study. Mm. You know, <laughs> it was like it was like his exclamation point. Yeah. Even when he was learning things from Scripture, it mm. was extraordinary wow. uh, how that had really just become a part of of his vocabulary. And uh, that's an extreme version, yeah. but but it happens. And uh, we need to think perhaps even more so of the less extreme versions of the ways that we, and I I think particularly younger people who have less responsibility, you know, and those kinds of things, how easy it can be to adopt the language of the culture, which is not thinking about how to honor God. Mm -hmm. It's not thinking about that. I I love the way that uh, Ephesians 5.4 reads that you just read that such talk is out of place. It's not fitting. And you think about the major themes in Ephesians, it's growing up to who you are, being redeemed in Christ. And it doesn't come across this way in today's era, but you see someone who has been an adopted son of God, who has been given the spirit of God, they have been justified, been redeemed, mm-hmm. and then they have their tongue. It's clearly not fitting, it's not, it's not right in place. Because ultimately, the one who has been redeemed, their whole manner of life is redeemed, including how they speak. And kind of going back to John's point, I think vulgarity, it's it's the common aspect that you see from just kind of walking around in the world. But I think verse 4 in Ephesians 5 looks at something more interesting. Look at no silly talk. And this is something I think... Uh, is discussed as often because silliness is kind of seen as a personality trait. Mm-hmm. It's kind of seen as just something you do, whereas it's very clear that it's unfitting for a Christian to be thought of as basically being silly, frivolous, yeah, a class clown, or whatever. Clownish, right. basically. A clown like behavior and clown like speech that's not associated with a godly person. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you read the book of Proverbs, when you see the, the, um, Description of the fool. The fool is the one who is silly, who gives full vent to his spirit. Talks too much. Talks too much all the time. That is the characteristic of a foolish person. And therefore, from Paul's perspective, it is not fitting with the Christian. The opposite would be true. The Christian has a sense of sobriety with them, which means that they are, as you mentioned, intentionally trying to edify those who are listening and they are intentionally representing Christ. That's right. Now, this is kind of a, uh, it's an analogy that you shouldn't push too far, but if you think of an ambassador of a country and, you know, say this is the ambassador of the United States going to China or some other country, you would not expect the ambassador of that country to just kind of let it rip. <laughs> typically yeah. just let their full heart go out and or the president of the United States well you wouldn't expect that <laughs> happen <laughs> things happen right <laughs> but you wouldn't expect it to be the, the norm sort of situation where an ambassador from a, a country would just come and just 
aimlessly talk about things. You know that since you are the ambassador, you have a duty to control what you say. To represent your nation well. Represent your nation well. And the same is true, I think, for the Christian, is that you're not just uh, someone who confesses the name of Christ. You are a representative to the world around you of who Christ is. The church is, in, in a lot of practical senses, the world doesn't see Christ. They see the actions of the church. And that means how you speak to each other within the church has implications for who's looking. So it's not just a challenge to how we speak to one another. It's also a challenge to how we speak to the world around us. Right. We have to have a standard that is representative of Christ. And over and over again, we're encouraged uh, in the body of Christ to build one another up. Mm-hmm. Yes. And... And, and to we are equipped by the word that we would encourage and minister to one another. Mm-hmm. And uh, so our speech is so important with that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if, if we have a church that is, that is purposefully building each other up in the context of the fellowship, whether it's before and after public worship or whether it's in a Bible study or the prayer meeting or whatever, mm-hmm. think of a church that is is intentional about building their fellow brothers and sisters up in Christ. Hey, let's meet for coffee so I can encourage you is, mm-hmm. is the mindset. Let's, I want to have you into my home and uh, we're going to sit around the table for a couple of hours. We're going to encourage each other in the mm-hmm. Lord. We're going to talk about the Lord's work in our lives. We're going to give our testimonies. We're going to you know, be really intentional about that. Mm-hmm. Now, that's like a freshwater spring right? Mm-hmm. Uh, of, 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 of words within the life of the church. Now, think of something different. Uh, the person who's whispering, who's divisive, who doesn't like one thing the pastor said in his sermon, and so they're going to go ahead and talk about that to, to five people rather than going to the pastor right, himself. To, mm-hmm. uh, uh, someone who's going to judge someone else's children and make mm-hmm. that a matter of conversation with other people because they themselves are insecure, so they have to talk about other people and yeah, exactly. tear them down. And, yeah. and, and, and on and on we could go, right? right. So, so that's a toxic ungodly, worldly approach to our speech. We want something that is quite different than that in the life of Christchurch Presbyterian. And thankfully, I think it's what we experience um, is this kind of encouraging environment. Some might think, you know, is is it really that big of a deal, our speech? Let's Mm -hmm. see what James says about that. Uh, James 3, starting in verse 5, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great A forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So, powerful illustrations from nature, showing how different um, one can be with their speech. Um, uh, and, and, and so um, we ought to, to keep these things in mind uh, every day as we pray about how uh, we will speak to one another. 
uh, in the context of uh, the local church. James chapter 1 uh, repeats the same point in a very pithy way. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, he deceives his heart. That man's religion is worthless. Period. Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> Period. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, a, a scripture I memorized as a, a young man because I used to have a very vulgar mouth when I first became a Christian. And I think most men that I was around had the same problem was... Uh, Proverbs 15, 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And the implication was that you think often uh, when a person is vulgar, they think this is just my manner of speech and you just have to deal with my cultural stuff. Uh, the reality is that a perverse tongue not only breaks your spirit, but it breaks the spirit of those around you. Yes. And if you going back to the analogy you mentioned, there's nothing that more quickly breaks up sweet fellowship among Christians in a church than the suspicions and whispers of two, one or two people in that church. And it, you can see it festering like the, like James mentioned, it's like a forest fire. One tree burns and you go back in about five hours and now you have several acres burned around you. Mm. Same basic principle in the church. You have one or two people who do not um, discipline their tongue and you look back in two weeks you now have families at odds with each other and you think about that picture and is this really what we want with the church but conversely my personal experience has been when you have Christians in churches who are intentional with how they speak to one another and encourage them that's where you see the trust and the fellowship deepen and so when we when you see you know churches in which you know the members of the church just seem to love each other. They get each other. It's not accidental. They diligently pursued each other. And one of the ways they did that is by they made sure, as much as it depends upon them, that they were going to intentionally use what they say for the purposes of establishing love and relationships. And to me, that's the heart and soul of what James and Proverbs are saying. Amen. And the gospel doesn't become any clearer than when we think about our words. Mm -hmm. uh, when we look at Isaiah, mm -hmm. and Isaiah chapter 6, of course, uh, Isaiah has this vision of the Lord. He mm -hmm. is on his throne. Uh, the train of his robe is filling the temple. The, the cherubim and seraphim are there crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the thresholds of that throne room shook at the voice of him who called and the house filled with smoke. And Isaiah said, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. I am a man of unclean lips. The, 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 the one thing that Isaiah realized in the presence of this transcendent and holy God is that his speech is the evidence that he is not holy Amen. and that he needs a savior. Amen. He needs forgiveness. And of course, we have the, uh, the angel uh, going and getting a, a burning coal from the altar and touching Isaiah's mouth. Uh, and it says, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And of course, what this is doing is it is anticipating the coming of Jesus Christ, who, as Hebrews teaches us, said not one sinful thing with his mouth. Mm -hmm. He obeyed the law perfectly as it concerned his speech. He mm -hmm. never said anything he shouldn't have said 
and he said everything that he was supposed to say. That's right. We right. fail to do those two things every single day. And so Christ, as, as a perfect, spotless lamb, never having, having spoken a, a vain word or a sinful word, goes to the cross, and all of our sinful words, and all the words that we should have said, our sins of omission and commission as it concerns our mouth and our speech, were placed upon him. He was wrapped in our sinful words and all of our sinful deeds and thoughts, and and he bore God's wrath uh, in our in our stead. And and so that that good news of the gospel, that while we fail every day to honor God with our words, we recognize that Christ came to save us from those sins that we've committed with our tongues, Amen. and that we will commit in the future as well. With this side of heaven, we will never perfectly obey God with our lips, but with hearts of gratitude and love for our Savior, who has saved us from the penalty uh, and the guilt of our sins, our sinful words, uh, ought we not want to, should we not want to honor and to glorify Him with our speech, according to Scripture, Amen. as as His His redeemed children. Right? Definitely. And so when, I definitely appreciate that, because what it focuses on is the reality that, uh, Outside of Christ, as Romans 3 says, our tongues are basically an open grave. And that's who we are. And that can be true for the most vulgar person you see, that's obvious, or even the morally good person who you may not see him express that vulgarity openly in public, but who knows what he's doing privately or how his mind thinks or what he expresses to those more privately. But the point is or that it doesn't is, express or doesn't express yeah. a, a, a lack of confession that Jesus is the Christ yeah. uh, is perhaps the greatest sin first with John. our mouths that yeah. we aren't giving praise. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what he in First John uh, the, the the antichrists mm -hmm. John calls them are those who uh, deny that Jesus is the Christ. So they're using their their mouths to uh, to deny. Uh, the, the, the deity of Christ. Yes, mm -hmm. that's an important point, isn't it? Yeah. That, that it's not just whether or not you say the F word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's, it's whether or not you are declaring God's praise yes. and, and living for His glory and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that mm -hmm. He is risen from the dead. Amen. I think the last thing I, I wanted to just kind of pick your brains on was uh, this goes back to Colossians chapter 4 when we speak about how Christians ought to uh, use their speech and their language towards what Colossians calls outsiders or unbelievers. So Colossians chapter 4 verse 5 says, Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. And verse 6, Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So the question just kind of to raise up here is, how do you take what you just stated about what the gospel is doing in the hearts of God's people? How do you apply that to how you ought to present yourself to the outside world? Yeah, I, I think that's um, Paul is talking here in, in the context of, of apologetics, right? Of our that's witness right. to outsiders, of the, um, the 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 witness of our lives, that our speech should reflect what is going on in our hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, so that people, um, so that people will will notice a difference, uh -huh. and will notice that uh, that we don't gossip about others uh -huh. when everyone around us in the office is gossiping. Uh -huh. um, that we don't 
have, have crass, use crass language. And um, that's such an important point. And it's one that Peter brings out too in, when, in that classic text about apologetics, giving a defense. He says, uh, have no fear of those who revile you or, or be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Mm. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. Yeah, that's 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 good. And interestingly, in verse 6 of Colossians 4, which Gabe read, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Mm. Uh, this, I would imagine Paul is thinking of Christ's words Christ that works, we are to be right? salt and light mm -hmm. in, in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And so our, our, our speech should be seasoned with truth, yes. mm -hmm. with Christ. You know, we, we have that, of course, uh, that uh, analogy uh, that Paul gives as well, that, that we should give off the aroma of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so our speech should give off the aroma of Christ and be seasoned with salt, to be gracious and kind. This is not what we hear on, on, on local network news where, when people disagree with each other, right? Yeah. I mean, you're doing everything you can verbally to tear people down, to assume the worst of them, to be... Uh, it's almost shocking in our day when you see a politician actually being gracious and saying something like, well, we don't want to mischaracterize their position. When's the last time you heard that? <laughs> well, you know, the, the, the reporter who agrees with you says all this slanderous stuff and, and, then, and then the person responds with, well, we need to be careful we don't mischaracterize that person. When's the last time you heard that? Yeah, uh, maybe never. <laughs> I don't think I can remember no. a time. Uh, and so, but that should come out of our mouths yes. regularly when we're speaking to someone who may be exaggerating someone's position, mischaracterizing them, making uncharitable assumptions about others. Mm -hmm. And we've all sinned in these ways. We need to ask God yes. for forgiveness, but by God's grace, our speech ought to be as such so that it's countercultural. Mm -hmm. It's different than the world. People are like, wait a minute, this person had the opportunity to tear mm -hmm. down someone who I know has torn them down mm -hmm. and yet they're being gracious. That's right. That is salt and light in a, in a yes. world that needs Christ, and where people say, you know, this this is interesting to me. Uh, this person is living um, by a different standard. Amen. I, one of the things I think about in the Colossians passage is your reference to seasoning something with grace. You get the idea that you have numerous opportunities that will arise with unbelievers. So you think, it's just in our world, your unbelieving neighbor next door to you. Or if you have, at your job, you have unbelievers you probably work with. And you think of those opportunities where it's very clear that you have the foot in the door. <laughs> like the opportunity is open to discuss things. And part of having godly speech is to not shirk that responsibility at that time. That's right. So that's the positive end. So there's the negative side where you don't act like a slanderer and a gossip. But there's the positive end when God opens doors for you to minister or to speak to people that are nearby and in your kind of sphere of influence. If you shirk your responsibility, you are, in this sense, you're not making the most of your opportunity. And the reality is that we don't know how many opportunities we have uh, when it comes to our neighbors or the people we work with. We have a very transient society. And so... Uh, it's not as if you're living next to someone for 40 years and you can kind of just 
nudge, you know, just gently yes. get over the hump there. Every for a lot of people, you may see someone two or three times in your life, and you have the first impression, and you know you're judged by your first impression often. But then you get a second and third, and that may be it. And the question is, what are you doing to make the most of those types of opportunities? Before we finish this episode, I think it's important that we bring things closer to home, mm-hmm. quite literally, <laughs> closer to home. We've talked about our speech within the life of the church. Mm-hmm. We've, we've talked about speech in the, in the neighborhood and in our community. Mm-hmm. What about uh, at home? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we are who we are at home. That's right. That's right. And our speech at home needs to be kind and not cutting, yes. mm-hmm. right? It needs to be gracious uh, and loving and not harsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, our tone uh, needs to be with gentleness and meekness and not uh, with anger mm-hmm. and uh, raising our voice, uh, shouting and yelling at one another in our homes is unacceptable uh, sure. for Christians. Uh, we have all sinned in these ways and it is it is unacceptable and should never be adopted as the way we do things in our home. Mm-hmm. Well, we're just from an Irish background and so we have hot tempers and so we all yell at each other in our home. Mm-hmm. It, we, we say things like this. We try yeah. to justify our sin. And uh, the fact is, the way we speak to our children, mm-hmm. whether they're toddlers or teenagers, uh, the way we speak to our spouse, uh, whether, whether we've been married for six months or, or, or 60 years, mm-hmm. uh, we are called to examine the way that we speak to one another so that our, our words would be upbuilding, kind, gracious, encouraging, building up, mm-hmm. that we don't always say what we think, as we said earlier, um, and that we are uh, slow to speak mm-hmm. and quick to listen uh, so that we understand one another, uh, we assume the best of one another, we're patient with one another. And, and so that's really, I think, something that's important to remember is you know, in some respects, it's easier to use godly speech and tone out in the church and in the community. But what about when you're home and you're tired and yeah, guards down a little? And your guard is down, yeah, uh, and yeah. you feel like you can just be yourself. But what is that saying? Right. Uh-huh. If that's exactly. yourself, then there's a problem with that. Uh-huh. Um, and so let's, you know, for all of our listeners, uh, for all of us. Let's let's examine our lives to see if there are any patterns mm-hmm. of ungodly speech. Maybe with a maybe you're single and you live with a bunch of folks, your roommates. Um, how how is your conversation with them? Um, so so that's important. I think also it's important to remember that we ought not to use the Lord's name in vain. Yes. yes. We we live in a culture where God's name is used in vain all the time. Uh, Jesus Christ, the name of our Lord and Savior, is used as a curse word. Right. When something bad happens, people say his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, people say, oh my God, all mm-hmm. the time, in a very flippant and trite way. Mm-hmm. And uh, as Christians, we, we, we should be doing better than that. We should mm-hmm. be revering and cherishing the name of our God and not using it in trite and flippant ways like the world does. Mm-hmm. And so let's, let's reject that. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, let's do better by God's grace to honor our Lord in the context of our, our conversations. So uh, all of this is a, this a 
clear picture of how many ways we fall short right. of these things, right? And so, again, it's not just the things that we say, it's also what we do not say. It's also the things that we don't stand up for when they are also said. And so, as you mentioned, I've, you know, I've heard numerous, being at the college campus, numerous uh, violations of the third commandment of taking the Lord's name in vain from students on a regular basis. And it's easy to just kind of brush it off to say that's just, you know, what a unbelieving teenager does. But again, uh, in Jesus' words, uh, there's a reality of being ashamed of Christ, even in public. Uh, as Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before man, I'll be ashamed of you before <laughs> my father and the angels. And, and so many of these things are ways in which you fall short. And so I think this is a matter you take uh, prayerfully. Um, for um, if you're someone who has had a history of saying things that are not appropriate in your own family, this is a great time to learn how to apologize uh, to your spouse and to your children right. um, to set the matter straight in a sense. If you've had a bad testimony in front of your uh, neighbors, this would be a good time to be upfront and honest with it. Speak truth that I failed in doing what is required and expected for a Christian in this sense. And so uh, a lot of these things, I think, are things we can take to heart. But as always, as John mentioned, we were thankful to the Lord that uh, he does not count or take our sin as he should. <laughs> uh, if, if the Lord counted our sins and iniquity, who mm. could stand? as uh, the psalmist says. Mm. Well, we we pray that you've been um, edified by this and that this has been uh, thought-provoking for you in terms of how you can think about how you speak to others and within your home, outside your home, and in the church. And we hope that you join us again for Between the Times. Mm.